podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello. Thank you for listening to Steve Bloomer's Washing, the independent Derby County podcast. Our 117th episode is one that no fan ever wishes to do about their club, their lifelong love affair, their passion. But the simple fact is this. Derby County are going into administration. A shock announcement at the end of last week laid bare the news which some of us suspected, but which still took most of us by surprise. And as the picture became clearer in the last few days, it appears that our proud, historic club and institution of English football is staring into the abyss. It's been said that Derby is the underdog city of Middle England. And at this moment, that underdog faces its biggest ever fight which is one for its own survival. When it comes to the Rams, we're all bound by that unshakable support for the team in black and white. The team of Steve Bloomer, the destroying angel, England's first football hero. The team who twice ruled the rest in the 70s with Hector and Hinton, McFarland and Mackay. The team who've given us a lifetime of memories from mad muddy nights under the BBG lights to baffling the big boys under the bold eagle generation after generation, the team who were there when the English Football League was born, but who now, 137 years later, could end up on life support. I'm your host, Chris Parsons. Hello. Tom Martin's with me. Hi, mate. Hello, mate. What a beautiful intro that was. And uh, I'm not going to say I would probably rather be anywhere else than talking to you guys about this, but uh, this needs to be done, I think. And we need to, to look into the issues as to what's happened. Uh, but yeah, fantastic intro, Chris. Not going to take that personally. Uh, Richard Kutcher's come along for the ride. You're right. Yeah, what a ride indeed as well. And uh, funnily enough, I'm not going to beat that intro, Chris, but funnily enough, I was literally just listening to Spotify as, as I was preparing to this with my Indie UK playlist on and Oasis Stand By Me was on just as we we're about to log on and particularly poignant right now, Stand By Me, Nobody Knows The Way It's Going To Be. And uh, there's plenty of other lyrics in that song, which uh, got me... Um, yeah, a little bit emotional as we, as we prepare to digest this. You're not the only one. And in a long overdue first appearance on the podcast, we're delighted to also have with us uh, Ollie Wright from the Derby County blog. Ollie, I never thought our first conversation would be in these circumstances, but uh, but here we are. How are you? Well enough, actually. I mean, I, I just thought that was a beautiful intro, mate. And just hearing you, hearing you the words that you said uh it, it almost brought a tear to my eye to be honest and and it just but it what it made me really think is that this club cannot die it cannot die there's there's too much history there there's too much passion for it in our city in our county uh, all over the world for one man's folly to bring it to the edge you know it is is a scandal but we won't let it die we, we will not let it die whatever we need to do we will do Wherever it needs to start again, it will start again. Uh, if that's what it has to be, it has to be that way. I'm delighted to be on. Um, thanks a lot for having me. And yeah, I mean, we'll keep talking about Derby County as long as we're alive. And so will thousands and thousands of other people across the world. And yeah, it's, uh, as you say, it's uh, the worst possible circumstances, but it carries on. Whatever happens, it carries on. It does. It does. Amen to that. Well, more on, uh, we're going to talk to you about your debut book in due course, but um, until before we do that, Tom, Kutch, we've all had a few days to, uh, to digest the bombshell news, and it should be stressed really that new revelations seem to be emerging all the time about Derby County's financial horrors 
as they're revealed and uh, as Mel Morris's PR machine rumbles into life. But I guess the, the only real place to start is, is Friday night. I personally, I was sat where I'm sat now in, in my dining room, uh, having a, a relatively relaxed family uh, family dinner. Um, when, uh, when my phone went off, uh, I just sort of happened to glance at it and I saw... It was a message from you, Tom, which uh, which just said "yikes," and it was a link to to a John Percy tweet. And my, my initial my initial thought was, you know, oh, it's just going to be uh, the latest on the points deduction. Uh, maybe it's just six points or something, or maybe even just who was Wayne Rooney clobbered in training this time. Um, but then I saw the A word, uh, and it was just a you know a jaw dropping, horrendous moment, really a real where were you when it happened sort of a moment. And in the days since, it's, it's felt like torture. I've got to be honest. It's felt like a slow death, death by a thousand cuts because of the uncertainty. But I think the numbness and the sheer disbelief that I'm going through right now, this isn't something that I ever felt after any playoff defeat. It isn't something I ever felt after any relegation. But you, perhaps you first, Tom, what, what were your immediate emotions on Friday night at eight o'clock. And how do you feel now, a few days later, now you've come to terms with where our club is? Yeah, um, I saw that tweet and sent it across to, to you. I just couldn't believe it. I, fe- I felt empty. I just felt a complete like disbelief and almost a, a disconnect with the whole thing. I, I thought at the time, I was like, I just don't feel anything. But actually, it was... C- Cost everything had just been ripped out of me. That's how it how it feels. And I, I woke up last night at three in the morning and I was thinking about like when was I last at Pride Park? What will I, when am I next going to go there? And that's like really not like me. I'm normally a pretty sound sleeper. Don't get too worried about things. I've got life is there, isn't it? But like I've done nothing but think about the great memories I've had with Derby County. And in fact, earlier that day, I'd listened to the Jamie Ward podcast and just like, what what a great day that was and what a fantastic club that we support. And yeah, I just, I would, I'm just absolutely devastated by, by everything that is going on, everything that's going to be there. And I think I echo what you said in the intro, but also what Ollie was saying, this club will never die. It will never die in our, in our hearts and in our lives. And wh- whatever happens in the future, there's going to be something there for us to, to hold on to and whether that's just the memories because this club goes goes under or whether that's a club in League League One or League Two uh, struggling with points deductions and players that we've never ever heard of and never thought would grace the famous white of Derby County and um, we'll be there to support them and that that's what I know for for a fact. Yeah, I think I was I was actually in a different time zone, Chris, and so I was I was, I was a few a bit glasses of red wine down uh, on Friday evening. So similarly to Tom, I was numb, but it may be a different way to to how he was feeling. And and, and I won't talk in detail about this yet. But um, the the other way I heard out was I heard about it was because the our potential administrators, um, my friend's dad is actually involved with them. So I also heard about it through them around around the same time. And yeah, it's it was depressing Friday night watching the game um, on Saturday was surprisingly uplifting. I, I was just there for the my only game this season at Pride Park was the opening day against Huddersfield. And I found it emotional just being there on that opening day with fans being back. And I can't imagine how people felt on Saturday, how fans felt the mix of emotions, both scared, uh, depressed about the situation, and then the pride in the team and, and the whole 
everyone involved at the club apart from two obvious individuals. I think it's, it's been an incredibly emotional few days. It's only going to get worse as, as more details come out, I think, I fear. And as Ollie said, I think it's just a time for us all to, to stick together as fans to remember what this club is. It is the fans and, and they won't be going anywhere. And we've already seen that through numerous examples, which I'm sure we'll come on to over the course of this pod. Ollie, talk us through where, where your head's been at the last few days. Well, the, f- the first thing I want to say, actually, is um, we were talking about where were you when you heard the news. I think it's fair to say that all of us knew before Wayne Rooney did, which is yeah. appalling. It's just scan- it's just scandalous. And it's not the first time I've used to a scandal, uh, and it won't be the last, I don't think. I just think that is the measure of the man um, in terms of Mel Morris. You know, he didn't have the stones to tell the people that this directly affected because obviously we're indirectly affected because as much as we care and as much as we're all devastated, it's not our livelihoods, it's not our bread and butter. You know, it's the people who work for that club who are now, you know, facing uh, redundancy. Those are the people who, who should have, he had a duty of care to. Those are the people who should know first. Those are the people who, who need to be supported. And they weren't told. They, they, they would have found out about it on the television, just like Rooney did. You know, and I, I think you could hear in the post-match interviews um, when um, Rooney and Curtis Davis spoke after they'd beaten Stoke City. You know, in a fanta- you know an absolutely fantastic result, and a, you know, a real demonstration of what they are as men. You know, fantastic. And they said we heard it on TV, and, and you could hear the contempt. You know, they didn't have to say it. And so, you know, unbelievably disappointed with with um, with Mr. Morris uh, the way he's conducted himself. Going back to you know talking about who found out when I, th- I think you know that it, that it's bad news or that it's it's a huge event for your club when you've got mates who don't even support derby texan you had quite a few messages come in saying just from various mates who support other teams just saying derby what's going on and when that's the case you know you know it's not good do you but i think in the breakdowns that i've read since that various revelations have come out one of which was that the players themselves uh, ended up circulating the news in in the sort of players whatsapp group chat and one of them posting a message to the others just saying like 12 point deduction then is it lads yeah this is the sort of process we're, we're talking about which furthers what ollie said about rooney finding out when he was settling down to watch newcastle v leeds on friday night with his kids but and then having to reorganize what on earth to do with his staff and team is just an absolute disgrace so there is that um and then in the days that have come afterwards, all sorts of numbers are being thrown about in terms of how bad it could be. So, Kutch, you will, you like the rest of us, will have will have been chewing over the various doomsday reports, whether it's twelve points, twenty points, thirty points, thirty nine points. What division we end up in, if we even exist? So, having having taken all those numbers into account and I know so much of it's uncertain because all of it's ongoing and these bloody EFL appeals will not go away because Mel just will not bite the bullet on them but as far as you understand it how bad could the situation get is it fair to say that there are no scenarios off the table right now including liquidation which w- which would kill Derby County yeah from from all the analysis i've read from from various experts and we probably most of them our listeners know who they are people like Kieran Maguire on on price of football the athletic as well the liquidation i think the athletic put the, the kind of liquidation option at 50-50 which is extremely scary to think it it could be that high i don't really know how they come across that number that seems a little bit plucked out of the air but i would say it certainly is a, a very reasonable situation to expect look the numbers in terms of the numbers in terms of the finances involved 
you know, the 30 million plus tax bill um, not paid to HMRC over the years is obviously the, the major problem because I think this was only a year ago that the kind of the status of HMRC in an administration event for a football club has changed and they're now one of the kind of priority creditors that need to be paid, which means Derby can't start paying off other debts until they've settled that one. It means that that's, a, that's just an extremely high figure which hasn't really existed in other recent administration cases where a relatively good outcome has been achieved. You think something like Wigan, obviously they got the point deduction, uh, they end up getting relegated, but they've managed to sort the club out relatively okay, kind of off the pitch in the short term, short to medium term. That that, that £30 million figure is going to be a big one because that's just to clear off just an HMRC debt. Now, I don't go to go back to Mel very briefly. I do not know how you get yourself in that situation. I run my own business. I have to pay PAYE. I presume it's primarily PAYE because we don't make any profit, so it's not corporation tax. I guess there's some VAT in there, but most VAT comes out neutral. So I guess it's PAYE money. So whenever he's paying wages to anyone in the club, footballers, staff, he obviously hasn't been paying the PAYE bill for however long. Now, if I'm one day late with my PAYE bill for my one member of staff, which is me, I start having a panic attack that HMRC are going to come after us. So how we thought we can get away with a £30 million? I mean, if nothing else, forget the football. It's just horrendous corporate for a citizen you're not paying the taxes I mean as someone that believes people should pay their taxes that's embarrassing as itself so that that 30 million pound bill that needs to be cleared before we get to things like MSD before we get to things like the stadium before we get to things like the companies are going concern the creditors local businesses that haven't been paid that's what scares me because that's a debt which is going to put off lots and lots of buyers and that's where I think liquidation becomes a, a real real possibility for me the best case scenario is is we find the buyer at the kind of some point during this season we still get relegated because it's going to be 21 points at least you'd think to 12 points for admin nine points for the efl charge potentially another three for if we don't pay players at some point in the next few months which looks quite likely so that could easily become 24 uh, and then we've got the issue of another further 15 points i think the season after or the season after that if we don't settle all our creditors um uh, bills uh, to, to about 25 percent. so for me the best case scenario is we get relegated to League One, but we still exist. I mean, that's probably the best case scenario. And the worst case scenario is a real one, which is liquidation. That's it, isn't it, Ollie? Because there are two hugely, massively concerning issues here. The first being that we've already definitely got one massive points deduction, but the fact is we're also facing other hefty points deductions further down the line in the next one to two years if we can't sort out our creditors. And... Secondly, there's just keeping the club running week by week. Who's paying the wages in a month's time? We've got a two and a half million pound wages bill to settle in in September. So there's a lot of sobering stuff flying around at the moment. But it's it's not over dramatic, is it, to say that the the very existence of Derby County is massively under threat right now? Yeah, it is, um, and we have to accept that, and we all have to understand that and I think um, I mean I've spoken to a few people on Twitter who seem to not quite understand the gravity of the situation and were more worried about can we stay up this season well that's that's not an issue anymore you know it's 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 way beyond that the trouble we have with the way that the club has been run and the way that football at this level in general is is that it's beyond the the, the money involved is now well beyond reality that communities the cities uh, the clubs are supposed to serve uh, experiences. You know, Derby County became the plaything of a very, very rich man. And he, at some point, just forgot his responsibility to pass that on to the next owner. 
and just kept kept going and get going and kept going. It's it's and now that he's taken his ball home, the the, the money involved is eye watering. Now there's been reports today that Derby get a hundred thousand pound trigger on Kada Gordon for him making his debut for Liverpool. That doesn't make any difference at all. It's it's like. It's like, I don't know, it's like giving, seeing a homeless person on the street and giving them 10p. It's, you know, it's, it's just, it just doesn't even remotely help. So, yeah, it's ultimately the only way that we are going to survive is if somehow we can find a person or consortium that has significant, very significant wealth who is able to um, underwrite these, these massive costs um, and who has the long-term future of the club at heart because whoever is coming in is going to come in with the understanding that they are nowhere near the payola of the Premier League. Now, when Mel came in, the Premier League was very much within reach. It was like he must have thought that it was just a, a few million quid away, and that's clearly what he felt. Now, you know, you're talking about years and years and years at the very best, you know, in the best case scenario. You know, the money involved is eye-watering. Whoever takes the club on is going to have to be extremely wealthy just to, just to kind of just to cover the debts that, that Rich has just been outlining before you even get to like building a squad, before you even get to, you know, anything else. Can the administrators find the right people? Clearly, Mel Morris couldn't find the right people. Um, and we could probably do a whole other podcast about the clowns <laughs> that he thought he entertained uh, during the last couple of years. Let's not go there. Ultimately, all that matters now is that we, we do find the right people. Um, and it's not a sure thing that they will be found. You know, we can all reassure ourselves that it's Derby County, there'll be a buyer, there definitely will be a buyer. I'm sure there'll be a lot of people interested, but what we will have to wait and see is when the administrator makes his report, that's when we'll start to see in black and white some of these numbers and and just exactly how bad they are and exactly how big the the coffers are going to have to be of the next owners. So yeah, we can't rule anything in or out at this stage. We have to hope for the best, but we definitely have to prepare for the worst as as well, I think. Yeah, Tom, on... What Ollie has said there about possible investors and people coming in, the the immediate thought on that is that Mel Morris thought that BZI and Eric Alonso were credible investors. So, you know, you can't really take his word for it along with a lot of other things. But when you now think about Mel Morris, he called himself a lifelong fan. And I've no doubt that that is true in a literal sense. And he has put 200 million or thereabouts into the club since 2015. But Tom, the facts are... His decisions are what got us to this point in the first place, and they were all signed off by him. And when it becomes apparent that Mel Morris does actually still have a significant part of his personal wealth remaining, he chose to put us into administration. He chose to walk away. I can't help but think that personally, his lasting legacy among Derby fans will be basically, you know, the captain who steered this ship into the iceberg, took the last lifeboat, sailed into the night and, and left us to sink. How how do you feel about Mel Morris right now? Uh, uh, there's not even words to describe it, Chris. Um, there's absolutely not. Because the, listening to the Price of Football podcast with uh, Kevin Maguire, which Kutch mentioned at the beginning, um, it's clear that Morris's businesses are doing okay and they've they've not done too badly from COVID. He's obviously sunk a lot of money into the club. Uh, if we went through some of that money, uh, you could list signing after signing where you're like, why do we buy him? Nick Blackman is the classic example. Jacob Butterfield, another example. And you're just like, 
what are we doing? Like that was a, that was a thought, and we often questioned this at the time. But it was kind of like, okay, well, he must know what he's doing. He's he's obviously a businessman. He's done well, uh, and you trusted him. And I can't believe that I've spent the last four or five years trusting him uh, as the owner, and also hopeful and so proud that he was a Derby fan uh, or a so-called Derby fan. Because if he was actually genuinely a Derby fan, um, he wouldn't be leaving us in the mess that he's currently leaving us in. He'd have paid that tax bill, and fine, he might have be trying to sell or, or, or cut his losses, but he's got the money from his personal wealth. Now, I know there's not an expectation for him to, to sink more money in because it's a sinking ship, but this is his responsibility. It's his business. When he took over, we were spending about 80% of our uh, turnover on wages. We've increased that turnover massively. Uh, something like 40% in the first three years that we increased that turnover. So that suggests to me that we're a better run club and we're making uh, we're making more money. But then what we've done is we've just spunked that on wages. And his decisions as a businessman at Derby County have been appalling. I can't even bring myself to describe what I think of him because it wouldn't be broadcastable. Uh, and I'm just gutted, absolutely gutted. And as Kutch says, pay your taxes. And and how's he got away with that? I, I just I can't even I can't even bring it to words, as you can probably hear. Yeah, and and, and HMRC tried to start putting pressure on him even before the pandemic to, to pay underpay taxes. So he was already not paying his tax bills pre-COVID, which which we'll come on to regarding kind of his his excuses re-COVID. But in terms of this whole idea about Mel being a lifelong Derby County fan. As, as you say, Chris, I think in a literal sense, that may well be correct. He may well have followed Derby since he was a boy. We know he was involved in, in, in Derby before. He owned the club as well. But if you think back to his original plan, which he has come, he has said publicly, his idea was to put a bit of money in to push us over the edge into the Premier League and then flip the club and sell it. So he was never in this just to chuck money into the club and let it disappear because it was because it was fun. He was looking to make a profit from the club. So when he comes out of a sob story about how much money he's put into the club, I, I just don't buy it because he was doing that to, as an investment to then make his money back and more once we got to the Premier League. And his biggest mistake after doing that, and in some ways you can say, look, that's a noble ambition. He's willing to take a bit of a risk to get his own money back while advancing the cause of his club, his local club. And it's, if it had worked, fine. However, it didn't work and he kept throwing good money after bad money and then bad money after bad money when you come on some of the signings and, and some of the sackings and some of the managers he appointed during that period of time. He completely lost control. I mean, we don't need to relitigate the whole past right now, but he said on the, his interview the other day with, with Ed Dawes, which we'll come on to, I think, Chris, that when Gary Rowett left, there was a moment when he thought he could rein it in and Harry Redknapp convinced him to appoint Frank Lampard and he went again. And that's probably was the nail in the coffin, ultimately. Well, yeah, you've taken the words out my mouth there, Kutch. Uh, Ollie, there has been a calculated PR rescue mission from Mel Morris since the administration news drops. And even literally in the last few minutes, it's been confirmed that Derby are going to be dot points on uh, Wednesday as we're recording. But yeah, since then, Mel Morris, he has gone on the radio with uh, Radio Derby and the Derby Telegraph to try and put his case across in a 58-minute chat. He did say in that interview, he did use the word sorry, or he apologized five times. He said the word mistake or mistakes three times. He uh, he didn't say the word responsibility once that I counted, but he did mention the word COVID 18 times in a 58 minute interview. So what I was going to ask you is how relevant it is to really blame the pandemic. But all I really feel is that, look, Tom's alluded to it there. It wasn't COVID, which 
tripled Derby's wage bill to 161% of its turnover. It wasn't COVID, which signed off deals like paying 4 million quid for a Ketchiania and giving him 27 grand a week over four years or spending 3 million quid on players like Nick Blackman after half a good season at Reading and giving him a three-year deal. It wasn't COVID, which sacked managers four times. It wasn't COVID, which saw Gary Rowett leave because he thought he had no money to spend and then let his successor sign eight players the following summer, none, none of whom are still at the club, by the way. And it wasn't COVID that tried to sell Derby to a shake with no money or a Spanish businessman who could even tell the truth about where he lives. I mean, look, the, the pandemic has put a serious hole in our finances, just like it did for dozens of clubs. But given that there were rumours about Derby County facing a winding up order in January 2020. Let's not pretend that we weren't spending completely recklessly and unsustainably well before the pandemic hit. Exactly. I mean, I'll I'll be honest, I really struggled um, to listen to Morris's um, interview because uh, I was just, I just didn't want to hear it. I didn't want to hear a word that came out of his mouth. It's like the time for Morris to speak had gone, you know, the time for him to speak was when we were asking him questions politely earlier this year. And he, he just maintained this wall of silence and just wouldn't tell us anything at all. You know, and he just hid behind all confidentiality, rah, rah, rah. And he, he wouldn't speak to us. So for him to suddenly like, you know, pull this, pull this on us and then, and then suddenly it's like, yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll explain it all now. Well, who cares? It's not relevant anymore. He's not relevant anymore. You know, he's written his chapter of the book and it was a very very, very bad one. Um, so I don't care what he says. Um, and I hope, I just hope that Derby fans out there are, don't let, let him pull the wool over their eyes because this is his fault, 100% his fault. And he can make straw men of the EFL. He can blame Steve Gibson. He can blame COVID. All he likes, it's, 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 it's not true. It's his fault. It's the decisions as you've just, you've just outlined them all there in a lovely little timeline. I don't need to go on. It's, it's Morris's fault. He knows that in his heart hearts, but for him, it's fine because he can just walk away and enjoy, you know, enjoy whatever else it is that he's, he's going to do now in, in his next chapters. And yeah, I just, I don't know how he's going to sleep at night, but it seems that he'll be fine. And it's also you're left to worry about the, the complete mess that he's left behind in his wake. Coach, did Mel Morris sound contrite to you? And don't answer that by saying that's a great question, please. Yeah, that's a great question, Chris. Um, no, he, he didn't. He, he didn't sound contrite. I'm sure he's upset because I'm sure he knows he's about to lose a lot of money. But I, I, I don't think, as, as you've all as we've all said already uh, tonight, that he doesn't have respect. For, he doesn't have respect for other people at the club. He doesn't have respect for his own staff. I, I know some of the staff there. I don't speak to them as much as I used to do. But I know some of the staff there, and a lot of them fought and, and may well still think very highly of Mel Morris. I, I don't know, but he hasn't treated them with any kind of respect because those people are the ones. The administrators walk into the into the club tomorrow, Wednesday, and that's they're the, some of the first people they're going to have to have very tough conversations with and I know that Mel supposedly met with staff today Tuesday you know he announces on Friday night or he tried to slide it out there quietly on Friday night and it's it's Tuesday and he hasn't and he's only just spoken to them it, it's it's disgusting so even if he did sound contrite I wouldn't have believed him to have been sounding contrite and in terms of how much sympathy remember the club that he took over he took over five uh, six years ago well-run club one game away from the Premier League young team playing the most exciting football in the division. Lots of other fans liked us. And that might not be important, but they liked us because we had a good young team playing good football on a wage bill of £16 million. Now, 
if taking that club, if you take a couple of seasons ago to the Frank Lampard season to basically the same stage it was before, four years later, but with a wage bill, which is what, three times the size, over £40 million a year and older, if that's not a definition of financial mismanagement, and this is all before COVID, I don't know what is. Because if you spend loads of money, increase your costs and become a deeply loss-making entity while not moving a business forward in any measurable way, and in football, that measurable way would be success on the pitch, then that's deep failure. He'd already failed hugely before COVID had arrived. Ed Dawes asked, asked him, do you think you'll ever be welcome back at Pride Park? Now, I think any any normal person with any level of empathy for the amount of pain and suffering that he's caused would have said would not would have said something like i don't expect to go back there you know and 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 apologized but what he did he said oh well you know before people start vilifying me they should start thinking about the 1.5 or 2 million pound a month that i put in but it doesn't it's not material how much money he put in because it's been wasted and it's it's look at where it's left us it doesn't matter how much money he's put in he look at where he's left us that is all that matters you're totally right, Ollie, and the fact that it's immaterial how much he's put in because it, he's left us in a worse state. I mean, you wouldn't go into a, a, a business and then say, right, I'm going to blow however many hundreds of million pounds and then go, I'm going to make it worse. Uh, whatever he's done, he's done, and it's it's not made this 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 club a better club. And one of the statements that really rankled with me, he says that we've made the choice or decision to put Derby County into administration because it's probably in their best interest in the long term. I mean, probably or definitely, because if it's not definitely, then why are we doing it? And if we're doing this and we're taking a risk of liquidating the club, then for me, like that's an appalling decision. Um, he's had a, sh- a shocking tenure as, as chairman and, and this uh, this decision to put us into administration, if it faces the, forces the death knell on the club, then uh, it's unforgivable, absolutely unforgivable. Catch your breath, everyone. Lots to talk about, lots to think about. But um, look... I know you hate me saying it, but if you enjoy the podcast, you know where to find us on social. Uh, we are at Steve Bloomer Pod. We're on Facebook and Instagram as well. And uh, subscribe while you're there. We've been going for four years. We're going to be going for four more, whatever division we're in, I hope, anyway. So uh, give us a follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Dean Sturridge. Hi, I'm Paul Pesky-Solido. Hi, I'm Curtis Davis, and you're listening to Steve Bloomer's Washing. So, look, let's try and at least say something positive about Derby County's current situation, because amidst all this chaos, uncertainty, and the financial apocalypse, we won a game of football, lads. We we, we won a game. We won our third, uh, our third win in our last 23 in the league, as Ollie talked about earlier, a uh, an emotional, much needed, gutsy performance and 2-1 win over Stoke at Pride Park. I, I just wanted to gauge from you, from you all how you felt the atmosphere was, really, because thinking about this and the current situation we're in, it's just utterly surreal now, isn't it, really? Like, Derby County's current plight has just changed all of our matchday attitudes completely. Like, if you think about why you even support a team or why most people support their football team, it's to cheer them on in the hope that they'll climb the table, in the hope they'll challenge for the playoffs or beat the teams above them or get promoted or play at the highest possible league that they can. But we're now supporting this team just for pride, just to let the players know that we're there for them, just out of habit more than anything else. I mean, this season is almost certainly irrelevant now. 
despite there being 38 games left to play, even with that 12-point deduction. I mean, it definitely is if there's anything more than 12 points. So I guess with that in mind, Kutch, when you when you saw the highlights and watched the game, the sense of real unity and connection between the fans and the players in that Stoke game, it must have been really refreshing inside the ground and just re- must made you feel really proud to, to be a supporter of this club. Yeah, I wish I, I wish I could have been there. I was, as I said earlier, I was, I was abroad actually. I did I did actually manage to catch most of it on, on Rams TV relatively last minute and it was emotional and the noise from the South Stand particularly, but from the, all the ground was amazing to hear and so many tweets uh, and messages from people who were at the game just saying what an amazing atmosphere it was and one of the best atmospheres they've, they've experienced at Pride Park for years and years, you know, pre-pre-COVID. I think it's a huge credit to every single Derby fan that was able to make it to that match. Even Derby fans that weren't able to make it but supported in other ways. And although, as you say, Chris, that this season may well be irrelevant. I know we've just heard about Reading possibly getting deducted nine points and et cetera, et cetera. And other clubs might happen. Look, we, no one else is going to get deducted 21 points plus this season. I think I think it's fair to say Derby are going down. But if those players uh, continue to, to put great performances in this season, really uh, top effort and, and they deserve the fans' support because we need them to stay on board as much as possible. And most importantly, if we are going to find a buyer for this club, and as Ollie said, it's going to have to be someone very, very rich, which is a sad indictment of the, of the state of not just Derby, but all of English football that you only can have very, very rich owners now to get you out of the situation, the kind of situation Derby are in, then seeing a busy, vibrant, full Pride Park will make a difference. I think financially it won't make a difference in the short term. Look, I think it's great if we can pack out Pride Park or, or get nearer to attendances we had pre-COVID, that would be great and every little will help in terms of money going to the club, but it will be short change compared to the expenses we're facing to survive the next few months where we find a buyer. But a vibrant Pride Park will look more appealing to any prospective buyers. So I'm bang behind the uh, Phil Pride Park uh, campaign, uh, which has been um, which has started on Twitter the last few days, and I'm really, really hoping to get up to a couple of games in, in the next month or so. Yeah, it's a great, a great idea and a great initiative being set up by the fans to do everything they possibly can to to get behind Derby and to to scrape together every last penny to, that they can to support the club and support the people who work at the club who will lose their jobs. As you say, it's it will be small change for for what's happened. But um, as you were saying, in terms of wanting to be there, it's I, I play football on a Saturday, so. Often, um, if on on a on a game day, it's it's difficult because I have to let my team down if I'm going to watch a game. So I have to really pick and choose the games that I go to. But at the same time, I love going to watch football. And you'll know the regular listeners, the amount of games I go to, which are in the local area for other clubs, just because I love watching football. And all I want to do is go to Pride Park, and all I want to do is watch Derby, and all I want to do is stand with two and a half, three thousand away fans uh, and sing songs for ninety minutes. It's it, I cannot absolutely cannot wait to to be going to my first away game in a in a month. To just over a month's time at Coventry uh, where we can be there and we can just forget about all the difficulties and all the troubles of supporting Derby County um, and just get behind the team. There's 11 players on the pitch and at that time, £26 million of HMRC debt, £5 million to Koku and his backroom staff, X amount to however many other creditors that we owe. That doesn't matter for that 90 minutes and you'll just sing your hearts out for the lads and I really want to I, I really want to go to as many games as I possibly can and and enjoy this club and this this team for the effort they've put in and appreciate those players because they've, uh, they've been fantastic this season. I, I just want to say very quickly I'd be interested to hear what Ollie thinks about this but as someone that did go to almost every single game I think well I did go to almost every single every single home game apart from the Newcastle victory in, in the in the the fateful Premier League season the away the particularly the away atmosphere during that season as we've mentioned on the pod before was one of the most 
amazing emotional things I've ever experienced as a Derby County fan because we were getting hammered six six nil almost every week and and the, and the support was incredible I've never sang so much in a season as I did that season in that away end uh, particularly uh, and and because we just we knew it was a lost cause and this feels although much worse it feels similar in the, in the kind of siege mentality and you know we've as we've all seen we've sold out our allocation at Sheffield United I think it's ended up around 2,000 tickets in the end we sold it out easily and that's considering the shameful pricing that Sheffield United have put on that that 37 pound a ticket which I think is worth mentioning here and just say what a disgrace that is from that ownership group although I'm delighted Derby fans have bought those tickets and will fill out that stadium I think it's extremely it's extremely upsetting to see Sheffield United board be be rewarded uh, with with that response from Derby County fans I can only hope other away fans will be as generous coming to Pride Park this season because we're going to need that income but Ollie what, what do you think in terms of the atmosphere because for me it, it does already start to remind me about the way that we, we were all behaving on on, the, on, the, on those away trips uh, in the Premier League yeah it's, it's the adversity is going to bring out the best in a lot of us and and like kind of Tom said as well the, the hardcore will just go it's because they love watching football it's part of their it's their part of their, it's in their blood you know they're not going to not go just because when we're going to struggle you know and it will bind those fans together and I was going to tell us I was, it, it sort of popped into my head a little anecdote actually um, I remember the game Paul Jewell it was Paul Jewell's final game and I think it was in the middle of winter anyway because it was freezing cold at Pride Park we lost to Ipswich Town and I've never been so convinced that we were going to be relegated in my whole life it was just we were dead you know and we were dead and gone and I remember we, we went into the Alex um, after the game and I was just sat there miserable as sin freezing colds nursing a pint and we were all sat really round the table just completely despondent and then this old boy walked up to one of the guys that we were sat with and uh, he just looked at him and went alright and then he just said we've seen worse haven't we and then they just laughed and that was it it was just like everybody just <laughs> laughed and and they just it was you know and they were they would have been talking about the you know the early 80s the really grim the really grim days and so i think we need to talk to people who were around then people who went through division 3 as it was then uh people who were waiting outside the high court to see whether the club would exist or not because we've we've been through it before I really, really respect everyone who's trying to get the ground packed out. I think it's great. Um, you know, the passion's phenomenal. And I, I really, really love that. I think it's wonderful. I think it's going to be hard to sustain just because if the results do turn, I mean, at the moment, the team are doing so well. But it, it, it's, it, I think it's natural as we go through this season. People, you know, are going to lose hopes. And it, so people, some people will drift away. And I, I think that's you know completely understandable. And I don't blame anybody who chooses not to go. But thousands of people will be there come what may. And I absolutely love them for it. And, and I just have to say, actually, one of my friends sent me a brilliant video of the South Stand bouncing after the second goal. And it was taken from the North Stand. So you could see the whole South Stand just bouncing in unison. And that's what we were all about. Um, and seeing that was just wonderful. So um, the hardcore are always going to be there, always going to support the team. But I must say, at the Forest game, I had 15 seats to my left and probably another five to six seats to my right completely empty I was sat pretty much on my own on a row for the Nottingham Forest game now for someone who's brought up on those games being sellouts you know and being cheap by jowl and it being a cauldron that was a massive tell that something was deeply wrong but nevertheless you know the, the hardcore will always be there and you know and I respect them hugely for that well Ollie let's keep the positive vibes going because you're now a published author congratulations man it's uh, look amidst the doom and gloom um you've you've 
you've put pen to paper um you've got a book on the shelves electronically and and literally you must be really proud to to see it out there yeah it was it was um a very long process to get it done um i have to say very quickly a a massive thank you to gareth davis who edited this book for me great guy yeah i'm glad you know him because he's a wonderful wonderful guy uh he used to for those who don't know gareth he he did used to work for the club i think he believe he edited the ram magazine uh, a few years ago and he helped me massively with the editing uh loads of great advice uh made it happen i'm just a writer I'm, i'm just someone who's sort of throws his fingers at a keyboard really um so he went through this painstaking process of actually turning that into a book and yeah it's um it's it, i've had you know superb support the, the the artwork again i'm i can't do art so i had a fantastic art uh, artist who, who helped me with that and i think it was fantastic i'm really proud of that and uh, yeah it's basically all it does is it sums up the first five years of the work that I've done on the blog. Um, so basically you get a very neat uh, split actually, because the great thing about this book is it doesn't contain the words Mel Morris anywhere. <laughs> it's 2010 to 2015. So it basically, it's th- that is a period in which obviously G- GSE were in control and it basically tells the story of the kind of the house that Nigel built, if you like. So you start off in 2010, um, you've got Alberto Bueno's just come in. We're talking about this exotic new formation called 4231 and just all this excitement that um, that Bueno brings that Johnny Method found um, through his, his contacts. Um, and you kind of go through this kind of what I called at the time the slow train coming which was basically the fact that it, it was just painstakingly building brick by brick uh, a team. There's a lot of talk about the guys we couldn't sign because uh, Nigel wasn't allowed to sign them. Also a lot of talk about financial fair play, actually, because if we, I don't know if people remember that Tom Glick um, was a huge proponent of, of FFP and I believe he helped to, to, to kind of usher that era in. So there's probably an irony there that, you know, the rules that trip Mel up in the end were kind of at least fostered in part by his predecessors at the club. But then obviously you get to 2013, Sam Rush, and all of a sudden the the blue touch paper gets lit. In comes Mac, and we just have this incredible season. But I hope, I hope the book at least gives will give people some uh, respect, really, for the the job that Nigel Clough did. Now we go into his myriad flaws in in uh, in some in some detail too. There's no question about that. But um, I think it's I think it sums up the 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 era immediately prior to Mel. So it basically gives you a little nutshell package of the club that Mel inherited, which was actually in a sustainable, stable position because GSE ran it that way. Now, obviously that was frustrating. It was boring at times. We lost an awful lot of games. You know, Nigel went through runs of form that you know, would make any manager blush. And it's miraculous that he, he didn't get sacked before he finally did. Uh, actually, when you look back at some of the runs of form, they're terrifying. Um, you know, we went through months without winning a game. Uh, it's uh yeah it was a really um it's a really proud moment when i finally got the copies back and um yeah i really i'm really grateful to everyone who's bought it so far and i really hope people enjoy it and uh yeah well i'm already working on volume two which is the mel year so that should be a fun one yeah that's gonna be that's gonna be interesting to see how you kind of because because it's it's the blogs isn't it ollie from the from the times it's almost like a live commentary of of what was happening at the time so it'll be interesting to see um how you were interpreting uh, those early mel years particularly but it is ironic as you say about tom glick introducing or, or being a proponent of ffp because 
you can see, you can understand why someone like Tom Glick running a club like Derby County in the championship would think that is such a good idea because Derby County is, if you just put aside parachute payments for a second, which obviously has distorted everything, Derby County as one of the bigger clubs in the championship and will always be one of the bigger clubs, maybe if not the biggest, one of the top four or five biggest clubs in the championship. If you base your expenditure on revenue and live within your means, Derby would always be competitive, you'd think, if they're well run at the top end of the, of the table. So Tom's Glick's theory, and I got to know Tom a little bit when I worked at the club very briefly, and he was a really great guy. I always found him a very, very interesting person to speak to, was solid. And obviously, parachute payments have distorted the picture. Of course, they have. And the, the increased occurrence of teams yo-yoing, and it is, it is becoming more common now. It really is becoming common. If you get relegated, you're definite favorites to get promoted, has distorted it somewhat. But I'm interested, as, as you said, and Tom and I have, Tom and I almost fell out and almost came to blows numerous times over Nigel Clough years because we had we had quite different interpretations of, of how they were going, partly because Tom thought I was a propaganda machine when I worked for the club. But Ollie, I'm interested to know, do you think we kind of almost t- took it for granted that kind of stable, slow build? It's easy to look back with hindsight, isn't it? Because as you said, it was boring at times and it was dire at times. But we did have the, the exotic 4-2-3-1 with Sifka and Bueno and, and Chris Commons and Rob Hulse, which was, I think it was like a great 10-game period, wasn't it? Which was, which was really exciting. But do you think... We did, did. If you think about our situation now, I mean, obviously, we take that back in a heartbeat. Well, that's right. Yeah, and it's, it's interesting to think back and when you know Tom Glick wasn't at all popular. I'm sure you'll remember that. You know, because he, he was the guy who's been sent out to bat for this kind of a you know parsimonious kind of uh, austere yeah. approach. So he was the guy who was constantly having to make excuses for the fact that Nigel couldn't sign Hooper or uh, Billy Sharp or you know all these strikers that he wanted, and he was having to say, well, you know, financial fair players coming and you know we'll be well positioned when it does and blah 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 and you know jam tomorrow and you know maybe we'll get a loan player you know and it was it was an unpopular message to sell but he eventually left and went to Manchester City which kind of says a lot you know I mean if we'd have sold a player to Manchester City then we'd have been really proud of that you know so I mean yeah I, I think it's interesting I think it's worth looking back on it and reflecting because ultimately they did run the club a lot better than Mel Morris did. Um, and what what Morris was left was actually a golden opportunity. And I do remember an interview, and I mentioned it in the book, an interview that Nigel gave not long before he left, actually, where he talked about somebody's going to come in here and get it right, and it will it will kick off. And it might not be us, but somebody will. And we hope that the legacy that we leave them will help them. And he talked a lot about the academy in that interview as well, where he talked about the work that Wassell was doing. And obviously that work was starting to bear fruit because at the time he left, you've got, you know, your Hendrick and Hughes were coming through, you know, and he gave opportunities to a lot of young players, you know, Mark O'Brien, Callum Ball, you know, Ben Pringle even, you know, also he tried very, Conor Doyle even, you know, all these guys kind of come up in the book. He, he was giving you faith in youth, you know, the stuff that Morris talked about, that was certainly was happening in, in the GSC years. So clearly we can... We can look back and and on that we can look back on the era that in the book and I hope if people do pick it up and give it a read yeah I, I hopefully it'll give them plenty of, of food for thought because ultimately you know as fans we were frustrated at times and we were disappointed at times and we were struggling because and also it has to be said attendances were dropping in that time you know and and those are all factors that played into the dismissal of of Nigel Clough you know is that bums were not on seats to the same extent you know people were voting with their feet and. 
and not going to games. Tens and Nervous is, is the book. Tens and Nervous, Derby County in the 2010s, volume one. So uh, yeah, out now and all good book retailers and probably some bad ones as well. But before I move on and bring it back to the present day, Tom, Tom, I just want to give you the right to reply on the on the set two of Kutch at Leicester away. Um, what, what, what What's the memory <laughs> of that quickly? He's an absolute clown and a complete cretin. I mean, a co- <laughs> an absolute propaganda merchant. Savage is like, great. He's going to like do this and he's going to captain the club. No, he's not. He's an idiot. I'm trying to get Savage on the pod, mate. Later. <laughs> <laughs> no, I like Robbie Savage. I'll take that bit back. But at Leicester City away, you, well, we had a disagreement quite strongly over the fact that uh, you could see that Nigel was building something. Now, I didn't disagree with that. But what I didn't like is the fact of how he set us up at times against teams. And the, the one game that really... I really lost my rag at Nigel Clough. We had to get a point at home to Palace, um, who were an awful team at that time. We were drawing one all with about two minutes to go. And we took a short corner uh, and we played the corner around uh, the ball in the box, uh, ball in the corner, rather than putting the ball in the box. You're like, you won all at home. You need a point to stay up, but you've got five games left. And that was the kind of person that Clough was. He was a percentages man. And I, I get that. And he would, be, he would be a great appointment in two or three years' time when Derby are, are stuck in the doldrums uh, to to come in there and like get the best out of some really not very good players so yeah I wouldn't I wouldn't I could definitely see Clough coming back to the club uh, in the future and I don't think I'd be against that but yeah Clutch you were a propaganda merchant at that point it wasn't all rose tinted there were some really bad signings and some very very bad bad games that we went to let's leave it there the that one's going to rumble on and on we'll maybe pick it up again in a, in a, in a future podcast Let's take it back up to the to, to the present day. We've had our few minutes of uh, of, of of enjoying ourselves. <laughs> Let's bring it back up to Derby County's current situation. Just a few contributions from our patrons over at patreon.com slash Steve Bloomers Washing, where uh, you can get extra podcasts from us, of course, as well as uh, we'll buy you a drink just for signing up. And uh, you can even claim a free snack on us as well and even win a Christmas dinner if you're good at fantasy football. As I said, patreon.com slash Steve Bloomers Washing. But a few thoughts from our patrons over there for which we are very grateful for their contribution. Uh, Tom Oliver said, I'm just devastated it's turned out like this. Morris blames COVID and I agree. It pushed the club over the edge, but he was sailing far, far too close to the wind that any hiccup could mess everything up at Derby. Now that happened and we're in major trouble. He gambled and lost uh, Sam Mace, he said the lack of transparency from Morrison Pierce towards both the staff and the fans is not only unconscionable, but also highlights the cowardly and gutless traits both men possess. Morris was more than happy to revel in the success of the club, but since last season, he's essentially done a disappearing act on the pitch. I can't see anything but relegation, but at least for the time being, it's brought everyone together. Uh, Chris Getty, he said, I feel so sorry for the staff who work in the background, um, especially knowing some of them, but Mel's pull the ladder up, Jack. I'm all right attitude is going to hurt so many of the staff. And uh, Andy Northedge said, just finally, Morris and everyone else in charge should be ashamed. It's one thing to resign the clubs of relegation and a fire sale of assets. But as per usual, it's normal people who have to deal with the consequences. Players will find new clubs and Morris and Pierce will still drive their nice cars and live the good life. But normal people who work for the club or provide services will be out of work and not be paid for what they're owed. 
Of course, the fans will suffer, as I imagine we're in for a Portsmouth-style slide down the league, but it's people fearing how they're going to feed their kids that I feel really sorry for because of one man's vanity projects. I'll give you all one last chance to have a few final thoughts on where Derby County go from here, your final thoughts on the week's the months and the years to come for our club. But I guess from my point of view, I suppose it just has to be a message of defiance, really, because at this point, it's 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 all we have. I mean, those who have more power and influence and wealth than any of us have left Derby County high and dry, basically. But as long as there's a Derby County to talk about, we'll talk about it, whether it's League One or League Two or non-league or even a Phoenix club at the bottom of the pyramid, We'll talk about it. And I just hope that our listeners and all Derby County fans out there are able to find some form of comfort in the weeks and the months to come. So, Kutch, what what's your last message to, to the fans and to the people who listen to this podcast about, about what's going to come down the track for Derby County in the next few years? Well, it's hard because we don't know. We, we really don't know what's going to come down the track. I mean, we know that at the very least it's going to be 12 months at least of of shambles and pain and uncertainty, I'd, I'd imagine. And I, as we said before, at the very worst, bottom of the pyramid and start again. I think I think my last thought on the issue is, is, is again, it's kind of repeating ourselves, but I just think it's a really sad indictment of, of both wider footballing issues and our own situation that there is... I would say zero chance of any kind of community involvement or ownership of the club if it was to survive in its current state. There is there is no avenue for fans to take a stake in the club. There is no avenue for fans to, to buy the club as a championship club right now because the numbers are just too big. And also because, and we won't get into this now, but various fan groups haven't prepared themselves for this moment. And, and to be honest, I don't really blame them because I think we always all hoped that it, it wouldn't come to this. But if we were ever going to try and do a fan buy out of this club, preparation for that needs to have started six, six or 12 months ago. So I think... All we can do as fans is get behind the club in whatever way you find that appropriate, whether that's attending games, buying merchandise, getting around CV pass, or just supporting uh, from home in, in whatever way you, you feel appropriate. It's going to be a tough time, but as we said at the very start, look, let's sit together with, with Derby County fans for a reason. We all have that in common at the very least. So let's get behind a team which at the moment, at the very least, is, is putting absolutely everything in. And we haven't given credit to one man yet, and that is Wayne Rooney, because we've given them a lot of stick on this podcast Deservedly so last season, but since the start of this season, both on the pitch and off the pitch, apart from with one exception, possibly he's been faultless. And if the rumours are true uh, that he has been funding away match travel for the team um, and other funding other elements for the club on the training ground are true, if those rumours are true, then yeah, he's he's a he's a he's sounds like he's a great guy and a great leader, and it sounds like he's going to be sticking around and like in in the story tonight that's for announced we have appointed administrators it says that Rooney's meeting them first thing in the morning we know his wage is obviously the biggest wage at the club hopefully that can be negotiated down and it sounds like if the, as I said if the rumors are true that he's been funding things himself then I'm sure he'll be ready to take a pay cut because we're going to need him and Rossinia because they've done a great job this season so I just hope Derby fans at the very least stay behind those two as, as they try and steer this team through a very tough six months, 12 months going forward. Absolutely echo everything you guys just said. Definitely right to, to pay tribute to what Ray Mooney's done. It's like he's expanded, you know, it's like he's grown into this situation um, when he could have 
walked away at any time. No one would have no one would have given him any any jip if he'd decided this is ridiculous, I'm going. And finally, Derby County have made me miserable for most of the last forty one, two years. And I'll be damned if they're not gonna continue to make me miserable for most of the next forty two years. That's it. We were <laughs> it's gonna happen. So yeah, we we've got to take the long view. Five years time we'll still be talking about Derby County. Ten years time we'll still be talking about Derby County. This is this is a bad moment, but it's it's just a moment. It's a very long ride and we'll we'll get through. Tom, Derby County have in our lives, as we've known each other, and always will be a good day out ruined by ninety minutes of football. And that will never change, will it? It absolutely won't, Chris. Um, absolutely won't. We always enjoy the uh, the trips on the train, and regardless of who you're playing, uh, it's always good fun for to meet up in person and to to enjoy that time of going to visit some random town in in England. Uh, going to the random pub that you've never been to. I've got knowledge, encyclopedic knowledge of pubs around England because of the amount of football that we've uh, we've been to and the amount of pints that we've drunk together. And they'll never take that away. So that's the thing that we'll always continue to do uh, regardless of what happens. And as Kutch mentioned at the very top there, while we've been recording, it has been announced by John Percy that we've appointed administrators, Andrew Hosking from Quantuma, who I'm sure you've all heard uh, by the time you listen to this. And so... It starts, doesn't it? We heard about it on Friday, but now it actually is in motion. Derby are now on minus two points and a bottom of the championship. Uh, and we've got a long road to go, but we'll, we'll be there at the end of it. Um, and we'll, and it will still continue after long after we've gone, I'm sure. We're going to leave it there for now. Richard Kutcher, thanks for that, that beefy extended podcast. We, we cover a lot of ground there. Thanks for that, mate. Yeah, it was a lot to get out of our system. I hope it, I hope it helped listeners uh, uh, kind of come to terms with it as well. Tom, thank you. All the best. Ollie, we're Derby now. We always will be. Thanks for joining us. Appreciate it. And you're welcome anytime on the pod. Absolute pleasure. Thanks so much for having me, lads. And and yeah, I would encourage everyone to just keep talking to each other, you know? Keep talking, keep bantering, keep making, you know, gallows humour jokes. Just keep talking to each other and we'll get, yeah, that's, that's I think, the best way to, to, to deal with this. We'll be back. Derby will be back. Thanks for listening.